Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. When we think about going to islands, we think about places like Trinidad and Tobago and places where they're warm and we get lots of fresh air. Our guest is from there, and she is going to give us some very interesting fresh air from her life. Thank you so much, Dr. Noreen Johnson, for joining us. Tell me a little bit about um, what you're up to right now. Are you home, or are you enjoying water and fresh air? Well, I am in Naples, Florida right now, and actually this is as close as I can get to Trinidad. (laughs) Uh, Trinidad is shut down right now, unfortunately, because of the pandemic. So I have not visited my home country in well over a year, unfortunately. Actually, they called me from Trinidad and Tobago uh, this week asking for help. Uh, because of the virus, so I'm trying to gather a team of physicians to get down there to offer help. Oh, that's something we can be praying about, so we'll do that. We'll do that with you. Noreen, you have an amazing story, and I really want to get right to that. You are a physician, and tell me a little bit about your training and, and where you were doing it. Well, I'm an obstetrician gynecologist. More recent years, I um, limited my practice solely to gynecology. Um, I trained at Martin Luther King Hospital in Los Angeles, California, with my husband, Haywood Robinson. We now reside in College Station, Texas, and he is retired. So history at Martin Luther King Hospital, part of it is one that we're not very proud of because it involved... um, the practice of abortion, I guess, which is kind of what you want to talk about. I do today. want to talk about that. You're right. Yes. <laughs> so when you say it wasn't, uh, it didn't have a good reputation at that point? The hospital itself had a wonderful reputation because it ministered to the lower socioeconomic group and it was placed right in the heart of Compton. Um, and, of course, the name of the hospital is Martin Luther King Hospital. Okay. So it was named after the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, whose um, legacy everyone knows of. Yes. And, unfortunately, that's where I trained to do abortions. It was offered as part of our routine um, training in obstetrics and gynecology. It was offered to all residents. Noreen, did you come from a family that there was the, the feeling of life can be ended if you don't want to have that child? What was your upbringing on that issue? Oh, no. My family was um, very strongly pro-life. Trinidad is still a country where abortion is not legal. Mm. And actually, I've been back to Trinidad and spoken in circles trying to defend the sanctity of life since my conversion uh, as an activist for the pro-life cause. So, no, uh, I grew up in a family that strongly held to the sanctity of human life. Okay. Did you have a faith background at that time? 
Yes, I did have a faith background. My mother was a very strong Christian lady. My father avowed Christianity, although he was not a churchgoer. When my sister got pregnant, it devastated the family when my parents found out that behind their back she had an abortion. We want to go back to that. I really want to talk about that. But before we do, I I want to still get a feeling for you and when you met your husband, Haywood. Yes, yes. So we met under gynecology service at Martin Luther King Hospital. Actually, we were just casual friends when we met. And um, actually, Haywood had been to visit Trinidad and Tobago before we started dating, and he fell in love with the island. And he would relate that uh, he came back to the States uh, excited to tell me he had visited Trinidad and Tobago. He relates now that he came back looking for a Trini woman because he enjoyed the place so much. <laughs> but uh, in fact, um, that was how, how the story went. But at any rate, Hayward and I trained together at Martin Luther King. We actually started talking to each other after he came back from Trinidad and Tobago. We ended up on a conference together, and that's when we really got to know each other. And uh, the rest was history after that. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to get into that history. I want to talk about what kind of a man was your husband to be? What, what did you find attractive about him? Well, he was very, very outgoing, uh, very, very charismatic. Uh, he, um, he was a DJ, and actually he, uh, he was the president of the Interns and Residents Association, so very, very popular. Everybody knew Hayward, everybody loved Hayward, and I was a little bit Larry about getting involved with him because he was too popular. <laughs> um, but he was irresistible. Oh, that's a sweet thing to say about your husband. Irresistible. I like that. Yes, he was irresistible. But before long, we were desperately in love with each other. And um, within, I guess, a year and a half, we were married. So you were married there in the Los Angeles area, Compton. Yes, and finishing residency, we finished at the same time, we moved to Bryan and College Station. Okay. Now, we were completing residency around the same time, and during that time, I had started um, moonlighting, performing abortions, which I had learned to do during residency. And that's all doctors learn something about that for sure because if a woman has a problem an ectopic pregnancy or something's really going wrong the sometimes they have to intervene in that so does every doctor every physician get a training in literally abortion or is it just in dealing with those unique situations that come up most doctors who rotate through a gynecology service will learn to do the suction DNC procedure for cleaning out, so to speak, a uterus that may have a, a, a compromise or incomplete abortion or miscarriage, in other words, so that the 
remnants of the um, baby that's been um, deceased in the womb doesn't cause an infection or cause the woman to bleed um, unnecessarily. So as a physician, Hayward was uh, a family family medicine residency program. When he rotated through the gynecology service, he learned to do the suction DNC procedure. Now, uh, once we got together, I trained him to do the evacuation of a normal pregnancy, which is what an abortion is. So I took it one step further with him because I had started moonlighting doing pregnancy terminations of normal pregnancies. So what he had learned to do was to treat a woman for an abnormal pregnancy, which was naturally terminated by normal causes. I trained Hayward to do termination of a normally developing pregnancy in the first trimester. And that's what we did together, moonlighting, going out into clinics in the greater Los Angeles area, which we were paid for. And uh, that was um, uh, what we did to earn extra money on the side. So together, you know, initially I was doing it by myself before Hayward and I got together. But once we got together, it was an opportunity for us to make more money doing it together. Okay, so it was a deal about we can make money faster and do the more abortions that we do, the better that is. Is that correct? It became more lucrative, mm-hmm. um, doubling the amount of money we could make. Hmm. Was there any sense of, I don't know, I guess want to say awe when you see the parts of a child that was a healthy baby inside the womb and you see those pieces come out and you're kind of counting to see if both legs, both arms, those kinds of things. Was it? Did, was there a sense of looking at that and thinking, gee, someday I'd like to have a child and I don't know how this is going to sit in my, my heart and my mind? Um, I, I would say kind of yes and no. Um, we didn't think that far because... Once Hayward and I um, got together, I didn't think I wanted any children. So I never thought as far as being pregnant myself. This was business as usual. When there were fetal parts involved in doing an abortion, it was something that we would delegate to the nurse to take care of. Uh, the doctor, you know, what, you know, of course, we, we, we call it products of conception. We chose not to look at it as a baby, you know. We terminology changed. To, mm-hmm. Yes, terminology was something. Yeah. Uh, we preferred not to look at it in terms of, a, of it as a human life, you know. We delegated it to, uh, to medical terms. So you were doing this in Texas as well then? Well, yes, when I went to Texas, you know, I thought that was an opportunity to go to a small town where there was no abortion service provided and offer that service to a community where I can actually make more money. Bryan College Station uh, was 
Bible Belt, Texas, nobody was performing abortions in town there. So when we moved to Texas, I saw that as a great opportunity, fertile ground, so to speak, to take my practice of abortion. That's a very interesting phrase to use, fertile ground. So Dr. Noreen, there came a time when your husband had an opportunity to hear a concert with someone who really believed in Jesus Christ. I'd love to have you just share about that briefly, if you would. So we moved to Bryan College Station in 1981. Hayward's mom moved in town with us to help us take care of our first child. And she moved next door to a pastor of a, a United Methodist Church. And she's a very friendly lady and, of course, uh, made friends with the pastor who came to see Hayward as his physician. He gave Hayward a tape of Leon Patillo, who used to be the percussionist for Santana. He knew Hayward loved music, and at that time, Hayward had taken his love for music and being a DJ back in Los Angeles to the radio station at Texas A&M University. So he gave Hayward a, a cassette tape with Leon Patillo, who by that time was singing contemporary Christian music. He was no longer with the popular band Santana. So Hayward um, just loved the beat of the music, but he was singing about Jesus this time. And uh, he would play this uh, cassette tape, J-E-S-U-S, on the short ride from home to his office. Shortly thereafter, Leon Patillo came to give a concert at the church that this pastor was uh, the preacher for, and he would attend the concert to hear Leon Patillo. Well, Leon Patillo gave a brief offer for salvation at that concert. And before you knew it, he would stood up, and it was a very brief offer of invitation that said something like, anyone who wants their life to be right with Christ, just stand up. And before you know it, he would stood up, and that was his turning point. He came back home, and I saw a transformed man. And the next thing I knew, my husband was waking up 6 o'clock in the morning, going to a Bible study almost every day. Wow. Um, he bought a Bible, which we couldn't find. Maybe there was one in the house, but we didn't know where it was. And at that point, it reignited something in me that I remember from my growing up back home in Trinidad, because I remember getting saved in a Pentecostal church back home when I was a teenager. And so I went out and bought myself a Bible and started reading the Bible while he would, would go to Bible study early in the morning. I want to take a very quick break and come back because this story is very important to us as we think about our lives, our choices, the opportunity we have, and how God can intervene. And we're going to take a quick break and come right back with Dr. Noreen Johnson. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today 
helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. Your kind and generous gift today, well, it makes this broadcast a reality. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting chooseliferadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So meet up with us today at chooseliferadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host. I have so much appreciation for you, our listener, for joining us and for staying with us. Sometimes our conversations are very difficult to listen to. They're things that we don't enjoy realizing go on in the world as Christians. But we also hear how Jesus restores, how Jesus comes into our life and does something miraculous when we give our life to him. And today we're talking with Dr. Noreen Johnson, and she is sharing a story. If you haven't heard the first half, I really ask you to go back to our website, which is chooseliferadio.com, and listen to the first of this, this incredible story. It involves two physicians, very, very smart people, very capable people, and yet it also involves the taking of life and the fact that it became something so attractive because of money. And isn't that the way the devil can enter into things? Noreen, have you found that? <laughs> yes, it was a very easy lure, the lure of money. No one likes doing abortion. If, if you took money out of the equation, no one would be doing it. Hmm, that's an interesting statement, because why? Because it's ugly business. So as we're thinking even about some of the, the big names in people who have taken life for a, a long period of time before they passed away, or when we're thinking about them, they are not really happy with it. They're not happy. It ruins your reputation. When I was in College Station and doing abortion, I did it clandestinely. And once I realized that people started finding out that I was doing abortions, I quit because I didn't want my repetition marred because I wanted to practice mainstream medicine. So I quit doing abortions to protect my repetition, although I wasn't really pro-life. That's interesting. So I, I quit doing abortions to protect my reputation. And your income, because you, you had to have a good reputation to be a doctor that people wanted to come to. Exactly. But interestingly, I only truly became pro-life when I gave my heart 100% to Jesus Christ. When my heart was transformed, that was when I became truly pro-life. And that was when I saw Hayward's transformation it reignited my salvation experience back in Trinidad. And you know, Jill, I went back to what really 
led me to my initial salvation experience in Trinidad. It was my sister's abortion. When my sister had that abortion, I was sent away from my family home because it devastated my parents. My father was so distraught that he sent me away from home to live with my brother to protect me from being what he thought was contaminated by my sister. So he separated me from her, which devastated me because I love my sister and my sister loved me. And I, I had to call her for her to remind me of that experience because somehow I had blotted it out completely. And of course, women never forget the abortion. She said, oh yes, I remember when you got saved in the Pentecostal church. They sent you away from me because they were scared I would contaminate you. She said, but I used to run away and come visit you. She said, oh yes, you went to live with our brother Frank and you started going to the Pentecostal church with him. Frank had recently got married and you went and lived with him. But we were so close to each other, I, I couldn't do without you. I used to come visit you when you lived with Frank. She had had the abortion. I went to live with Frank and Frank took me to church with him. And that's how I met Jesus. It was her abortion that led me to get saved. Now, she was 18. I was 14 when she had the abortion in Trinidad. And another piece of that story, Jill, you can see how certain things can be generational. She told me, and I found this out two days ago, and and it's amazing because you are instrumental in digging up stuff (laughs) in my family history that I didn't even know about. Wow. My sister confided in me that when she first got uh, pregnant, she went to my grandmother, my mother's mother, who used to dabble in witchcraft in Trinidad. And she used to provide potions for people to miscarry and have, bring about abortions. So she went to my grandmother for her to give her a potion. My grandmother refused to do it because she knew my mother was a righteous Christian woman, but my grandmother was a wicked woman. So my sister went elsewhere and a nurse at the hospital in Trinidad did the abortion and my sister. Now here it is, years later, when my sister was 39 years of age, my sister comes to College Station and here I am now, an abortionist. My sister now is pregnant, knows that her sister is an abortionist practicing in College Station She flees Trinidad and comes all the way to Texas to me to do her abortion. And I take the life of my sister's baby. Look at that. Look at that. It's that web that Satan creates that we get into. Oh, my God. Is that a generational curse? But look at God. Look at God's redeeming grace in the midst of that. When I told my sister, I said, Ali, we're getting ready to write this book. She said, please, tell people, tell people this story because this is, abortion is wicked. 
people need to know about this. The devastation that abortion causes on families. Because what has happened since to my sister, she's had one child after she had that first abortion, she got married and had one child. She divorced her husband, she had that child by, and as a result of that divorce, she became estranged from that one child that she had because the husband got custody of that child. Later in her life, when she did reconcile with that child, she had about four years of reconciliation with that child before that one child that she had lost his life in a tragic boating accident in Hong Kong. In between that time that she lost her child, I took the only other pregnancy that she had. It's so unfathomable when we get so deep into Satan's trap that God can still reach us, but he can I would just say right now to our listener, if you have a history of any kind that you feel God can't love you, that's not true. It's absolutely not true. God does love you, and God does want for you to be eternally with him. And I'm so grateful, Noreen, that your husband had an opportunity to really stand in a church and say, I'm giving my life to the Lord and then share that with you. You two have become a very powerful couple speaking on this topic, and I'm grateful because you tell it absolutely with truth, and I appreciate that. So the pieces are still coming together. We are still connecting the dots. The story is still evolving, and through it, we just see God's amazing grace, His redemptive power. You know, I have had the wonderful people that he's placed in our life to help us through the process of healing. It's just been an incredible journey to see God's hand at work and um, how he's helping to expose the truth of abortion and how it destroys lives. It destroys the woman's life Certainly the baby's life is lost, but it destroys the doctor's life. It destroys society. It destroys, look at our nation, look at what it's done to our nation. We're a country that's literally paying for abortions in other countries, which is is such a sin. Yes. Noreen, thank you for this story. I thank you for your, again, your vulnerability it's a very tough story to tell. Tell me, did you and Haywood have children together? We do. We have two wonderful daughters. And uh, part of the story that we haven't touched on is that um, when Haywood and I got married, we got pregnant on our honeymoon, although the doctor gynecologist speaking to you right now swore that she never was going to have any children, and I did everything I knew 
not to get pregnant. God had a big laugh <laughs> uh, because we did conceive on our honeymoon, although it was not supposed to happen. And actually, I did go and ask my friend to perform an abortion on our daughter, our first child, and he refused. Oh. Thank God. Yes. And that's the only reason Yudel is alive today. My friend said, no, you must be crazy if you think I will perform an abortion on you. And that's another part of the story. Somebody who has come to be very dear to me said, wow, your friend refused to do an abortion on you. He loved you. He loved you. And that's something else that the Lord has revealed to me. If you truly, truly love someone, you really wouldn't hurt them. And that's something that I, I had to come to grips with. And, you know, it's really, that really, <laughs> oh my, you know, when I think of how much I love my sister and I took her baby, I mean, it just, it tears me apart. I, I and, thank uh, you so much, oh. Noreen. This is a hard story, as I've said before, and I just thank you for your intimacy and that you're sharing with not just me, but you're sharing with our listener who probably has someone in their life who made a decision to abort. It's, it's something that we can't take back, but it's also something that God forgives and I pray right now to God that our listener is hearing that, that he still loves us. He still has his arms wide open and we can come to him and just simply kneel and say, I'm sorry. Kneel before the God who creates life so that we can say how sorry we are that we took life away. I thank you so much, guest, for joining us today. And I thank you, Noreen, for joining us today. I'm Jill Taylor, and this is Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.